Welcome to Teaching Artist Podcast, a show dedicated to discussions of teaching art to kids, making art, and how those things overlap and feed each other. I'm Rebecca Potts, your host, a visual arts teaching artist. Before we get to this week's episode, I have a little request. I would love to hear from you and share your voice on the podcast. How are you teaching remotely? What resources and tools have been helpful? What has been the most challenging part of all this? How are you handling it all? And really, how are you doing? I want to know please share your experience by sending in a voice message. You can record a voice memo and send it to teachingartistpodcast at gmail.com or go to anchor.fm, that's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M slash teachingartistpodcast slash message to record a message right there. Today, I'm talking with Stephanie Behrens. I went to grad school with Stephanie, but had lost touch a bit, so it was amazing to hear about her travels, how her career has shifted, and how her artwork is evolving. Stephanie teaches early childhood art at an international school in Shanghai. She shifted from teaching at the university level a few years ago, so we dig into how that change impacted her art making and her teaching. Stephanie also shares great advice for moving forward with your art career during this time while giving yourself grace. As an art teacher slash artist based in China, Stephanie has some insight on our current COVID-19 situation. Her school began social distancing and online teaching back in January. She shares how that shift affected her and some tips and encouragement for art teachers still in the beginning stages of distance learning. As difficult as it is to teach such a materials-based physical subject like art remotely to students who likely have very few materials, often while also homeschooling your own children, and considering the fact that your students' parents may be doing the same, we should take a moment to thank those who are on the front lines of this crisis taking risks to care for the ill and make sure we all continue to have our essentials. And another moment to send love to those who are sick, who have lost their incomes and are struggling, and those who have lost loved ones. This is serious. Thank you for doing your part, whatever that may be. (sighs) Now, before we dive into our conversation, here's a little bit about Stephanie. Shanghai-based artist Stephanie Behrens creates mixed-media works inspired by the layered experience of moving between point A and point B. Her work merges photography, printmaking, painting, and collage. Behrens received her MFA from Washington University in St. Louis. Before living in China, she taught at the Milwaukee Institute of Art and Design and ran her own studio and gallery in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. She completed residencies at the Art Students League of New York, 
Chicago Printmakers Collaborative, and the Pfister Hotel in Wisconsin. Selected exhibitions include the Art Canton Contemporary Art Fair in Guangzhou, please forgive me for my pronunciation here, Salonia Art Center in Suzu, Milwaukee Art Museum, Wisconsin Artist Biennial at the Museum of Wisconsin Art, John Michael Kohler Art Center, and the Walker's Point Center for the Arts in Milwaukee. Behrens has taught internationally and has presented on the topic of collaboration in art education at conferences in Hong Kong and Taipei. Let's get to our conversation. So I am here with Stephanie Behrens, who I actually went to grad school with. Hi, Stephanie. So good to hear your voice again. Hi, Rebecca. So good to hear your voice, too. I feel like it was just yesterday we were in school together, but it's it's been a while. (laughs) It's been a while. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for having me on. This is great. Yeah, absolutely. I We were just chatting a little bit about all the different things I want to hear from you. But I love to start with just a little bit of background. And I always ask, how did you become an artist and a teacher and kind of which came first? Okay, yeah, I'm happy to talk about that. So as far as becoming an artist, it's something I always knew I wanted to do something like, you know, my parents always tell the cute stories of all the fun art projects I did as a kid and how they just knew and I, you know, so it was always a direction that I knew I was going to take and went to college at Bethany Lutheran College in Mankato, Minnesota, for my undergraduate degree, and then went to Washington University in St. Louis for my master's of fine arts and studied in Italy for a while too before that. And pretty much right after grad school, I jumped right into it. I did some residencies. You know, I took on all the, you know, part-time jobs Mm -hmm. so I could like have more time to make work. I think I worked waitress barista, daycare provider. I did everything. Um, so, Using it all together. Yeah. And then um, eventually teaching positions opened up and I was able to teach at um, the Milwaukee Institute of Art and Design as an adjunct. And then I also taught at a small college called Wisconsin Lutheran College. Mm-hmm. And I taught in their foundations department. So I came to teaching probably like actually just a few months after I graduated, but I was doing, I was just an adjunct. So I was only getting like one or two classes. So I wasn't able to do it full time. And I think as I got into it, I just really fell in love with the profession. But there wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of opportunity, unfortunately. So I would work at summer camps and summer programs, and I would adjunct between the two different colleges. And then you know I did that for a while, and ended up deciding to go to China to teach English as a second language at a university a couple years in. And uh, that's actually where I met my husband. He was also teaching at a university, and we. We were in Hangzhou, China, which is about an hour and a half south of Shanghai. And so we met, fell in love, got married like pretty much in a year. We just knew. (laughs) And um, ended up, yeah, it was great. It was a great part of our, it was great to meet over there. I think that's what accelerated our relationship Uh is you're in like all these stressful situations together. So you kind of really see each other and, you know, we spent all this time together. So anyway, yeah, Uh we got married. And then we came back and came back to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And I continued teaching at the same colleges that I was at and then took on some more full-time residencies 
I did one at the Fister Hotel, mm-hmm. which allowed me to have my own studio. And then they gave a stipend, a monthly stipend for a year. So I did that, uh, which en- eventually led me to opening up like a storefront and a gallery of my own because of the publicity and the marketing that was behind the Fister Hotel program allowed me to kind of get out there more into the community. And then between... That's amazing. Yeah, it was really yeah. fun. Yeah, it was a great opportunity. That was 2013 and 2014. So I did that for about five years. And then we decided to go back to China about three, two and a half years ago. And so we moved back to Shanghai, but we both teach at an international school. And so Mm -hmm. I teach art in early childhood and I'm teaching next year in elementary. And then my husband teaches science. So we really love being abroad and I really love teaching art full time. So it's been a, it's been really great to have that opportunity to do that. Cause I think it, it took me about 10 years years to get to a (laughs) full-time teaching job in art. So I I just feel really fortunate and I just really love it. So that's where we're at currently. Yeah. How was that shift from teaching at the university level down to the little tiny people? It was huge. I mean, I didn't, to be honest with you, I didn't know like how it was going to go initially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's a huge love, change. Yeah, I love kids. I had nannied before yeah. in the past. I've been a nanny for a couple different families, but it is a big change, but it was a welcome change. I think mm-hmm. one thing that I love about EC or early childhood is that it's really processed based. Yeah. And I know a lot of art is obviously, but it's so in your face when you're teaching three and four year olds. And you just really begin to see like, yeah, this is about play and exploration. And so their like excitement about making like completely changed the way I approached my studio. Uh, Um, So while it was a huge shift in like what I was used to teaching, it just kind of really opened me up to like whole new range of possibilities that I wasn't really considering before. Yeah. So it was good. I'm not going to say it was easy. (laughs) I mean, we have so much energy, (laughs) but they're so fun. They don't edit themselves. Yeah. And they just, yeah. They also think you're a rock star, which really feeds into your <laughs> ego. <laughs> totally. Yeah. They're just like, they love art and they love their art teacher. And yeah, it was just cool to see that much excitement in the classroom. So I was, I was really excited once I got into it and got over the initial like fear of, hey, this is so different from what I was doing. Right. I began to see like, you know, yes, it was different, but it, yeah, it was bringing so many positive changes changes to my studio, but also to the way I approach my teaching too. So mm-hmm. yeah. And how did it change your your own work, like the work in your studio? Yeah, I would say, you know, I was actually looking through some of my older work from before, and it was just very rigid. I'm not saying like my work was like bad, or I didn't like it. Yeah, but it I can fantastic. see where I was forcing <laughs> things. You know what I mean? I was like, Uh I just felt like I was very concerned with the product and the end product Mm -hmm. and making sure everything was perfect. Yeah. And when I kind of stepped out of that, I just had was starting to have so much fun. Yeah. And my work got to be much more like fluid. And I was, you know, I would just make tons of things. You know, if I didn't like something, it was like, okay, no big deal. I'm moving on to the next thing. Right. And really just trying to like adopt that spirit that my kid, you know, that I saw my students, mm-hmm. you know, what they, how they work through creative challenges or problems in their work. Yeah. Really, really changed the way I started looking at the problems 
in my, uh, my studio practice. So uh. yeah, I think it got more abstract. I became just like, okay with throwing something on the paper <laughs> yes. and being like, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Like now step away and let it be and like go on to the next thing. So it's really helped me quite a bit uh, in the studio. I love that. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I feel like the the little playful things I do with my daughter. I have a four year old, so the little things I do with oh, her, wonderful. yeah, do it's similar. Like it kind of feeds into letting go and just being like, it's okay if it's not perfect. Yeah, and I I say that I say yeah. that to my kid, my students, and lately I've been filming a bunch of stuff for my students with my daughter, like by my side. And the other day she started mm-hmm. saying the same. That she was like on video. She's like, it's okay if it's not perfect. <laughs> Keep going, mom. Yeah. <laughs> I still believe in you. <laughs> yeah. yeah I know. And that's, it's, I'm sure as a mother, like, yeah, you hear yourself saying those things to your daughter. And, and I heard myself saying those things to my students. And I was like, all right, now, like, you can't just say that and then go in your studio and beat yourself up because the product isn't perfect. Right? Yeah, they and I think any teacher will say that they learn so much more from their students than they, you know, Mm -hmm. than they ever thought. And I know I, I feel that way about my students, too. Yeah. And do you have a favorite sort of age level to teach? Is it these little ones? Or do you feel like eventually you would want to go back to older older kids or adults? It's a, re- it's a really good question. <laughs> yeah. And I struggle with that one. Yeah. I think each age level, I know this is kind of a general response, but like each age level brings something different. Mm-hmm. And one thing I did really love about teaching the older students um, was helping them through kind of that frustrating process of like figuring out who they were in their work and like where it was going Mm-hmm. And like really talking through those problems with them. And I love to see like the confidence that they gained when they like kind of figured that out. Yeah. And can move forward in a direction. So I miss I miss that part. Yeah. I do see like glimpses of that in with early childhood, um, especially like maybe if a child is struggling, like in a, maybe with like a social or emotional issue, mm-hmm. they I can see like how art moves them in a direction to help them resolve something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So like, like I said, I love the playfulness of early childhood, but there is a part of me that misses working through those kind of like bigger uh, problems with foundational level students. Mm -hmm. But I'm just trying to take each level for what it is and like, just be present with where I'm at. And if I do get the opportunity to teach older students again, I I know I would be excited as equally excited about that as what I'm doing now. So yeah. Yeah, I feel like it would almost be maybe it's too much switching back and forth for your brain, but it would almost be nice to have like different days of the week where you've got different age levels. Yeah, I actually, yeah, like next year I'm teaching first through Uh fourth grade and like that is such a range. So I'm like really interested to see like how that'll Mm -hmm. play out because I can see like, yeah, first grade, they're probably still going to be in that more process-based like exploratory stage and like, you know, the fourth graders might be like working through different Mm -hmm. things that we can talk about more and, you know, I can help them develop and really dig in into different projects. I think with like the early childhood, sometimes, you know, they they remember they're so present. So they are like, okay, this is what I'm doing today. So if you try to revisit a project, like the next day, they might be like, no, like I'm on to like something completely else now, (laughs) (laughs) you know, which again, I love, I so love. 
have. Yeah. But like, I'm like, no, let's go back to that. I really want to dig deeper. <laughs> so like, I can, you know, I can see like next year being able to do that maybe more with like the fourth graders yeah. um, and the older students. Yeah. That is nice yeah. with elementary. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah. That it's, it's yeah. a pretty big, like I teach now TK through fifth. So that's like the four-year-olds up oh, nice. to fifth grade. And wow. that is a pretty big so range. So you have a great range. Of, yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. And that, I guess that is, really you wonderful. see that like the process oriented versus the really like starting to figure out who they are and wanting to like dig into some of those issues, wanting to express themselves mm-hmm. more on like a deeper level. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Especially as you get up to fifth grade. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's such a like pivotal time of life. Yeah. You know, they're working through a lot so much. So yes, yeah. yes, definitely. Well, I'll be calling you next year. For, <laughs> Absolutely. For tips. Yeah. I don't know how, how great I'll be. <laughs> it's, oh, I know you're <laughs> I've been at this age level for just three years, so it's not a ton of time. But I I also love that as a teaching artist in the schools, like I'm not certified. So the actual classroom teachers come with me or come with their kids. Oh, that's great. So I've I feel like I've learned a lot from them, just like classroom management yeah. and kind of sometimes the teachers will be really involved and help, like especially the younger grades help break steps down if I'm being too complicated. <laughs> Now I feel like I've got yeah, a handle that's... on that, but especially the first year I was doing it, some of the the kindergarten teachers were like, "No, that's way too complicated. Like, you can't just tell them yes. to paint. You have to show them how to hold the brush." <laughs> yes, I can completely relate to that experience. Yeah. yeah, and I like, you know, I think as an artist too, like you get so excited and you're like, "Okay, then we're going to do this and this and that." And they're like, "No, like we need to work on right. cutting, like holding the scissors." <laughs> Yeah, basic. So that was really interesting, too, about going to EC Mm -hmm. is like realizing how much you had to like strip things back. Yeah. And it really helped me get back to like my roots and like consider questions like, well, how do I hold my brush? And like, (laughs) what what if I picked up two brushes and like banged them together? Like what would happen then? And you know what I mean? Because I saw my kids like doing this and I was like, yeah, I haven't seen anyone explore in that way for so long. Right. By like, like you said, like, stripping things back and like, okay, let's just start step one. And like, and you can't get 20 steps in. <laughs> right. In a no, class. It's like, no, we're going to get through the first one or two. Yeah. That was a huge learning curve for me too. So I can totally relate to your experience. Yeah. <laughs> like keep it very, very simple. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do you have any tips that you would give an like an artist who's kind of getting into teaching? Well, I would say, and you know, you kind of touched mm-hmm. on this earlier. One thing I really wish I would have like had in school was like taking some more art um, education courses. Yeah. Or kind of like, kind of like what you said too, like just about knowing, okay, like what's developmentally appropriate. Right. Like how does kindergarten differ from first grade mm-hmm. or like as you get further up, like, okay, how do I put together a rubric and like, mm-hmm. how do I communicate to parents? Like, yeah. I, mean, I am so grateful. I went for my MFA and I learned so much and like, I feel like being active in my studio helps me so much in my teaching. Yeah. But there is a part of me, like when I was first starting out where I was like, okay, like I wish I would have had 
a few more of, you know, these kinds of classes, or I would have like shadowed someone or, but you know, like you said, your colleagues step in and like, Mm -hmm. I I feel like I've learned so much on the job and, and through the professional development that a school provides. So I mean, it's a little rough and rocky starting out, but I think if I were to advise like an artist who's wanting to get into that, I would say, you know, maybe just go get your state license or just take a few courses mm-hmm. online. I know like Art of Education is a really great resource online. Yeah. And they have tons of fun courses and professional development and it's fairly it's pretty affordable too. I think even just doing a few things like that before you get into the classroom will give you like a lot more confidence. Yeah. Moving forward mm-hmm. and avoid frustration. Yeah. I had been more on the like art ed admin side of things for a long time. And then I'd, you know, taught a few classes a week, not nearly full time while doing more admin. So I'd seen like that side of it okay. before diving into this teaching position. And I totally agree that that classroom management, like classes, pedagogy, all of that stuff would have been really helpful to actually study. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I know. (laughs) And I've thought about going back and getting like another master's, but I feel like it's just too much. I have too. I was actually just talking to uh, my family about that the other day and looking at online programs. Yeah. And Art of Ed does look amazing. Uh, it is. Yeah, it looks I use it all the time with my teaching. Yeah, too. I and they have so many great projects on there. Yeah, it's hard because you're like, yeah, when do you stop going to school? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm still paying off my first uh, master's. So totally. Like, how do I, you know, I'm not sure I'll <laughs> so ever pay that I, off. <laughs> I know. Uh, I hear you. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's something that I love so much yeah. that I just want to learn more about. So right. yeah, we'll see. But I've definitely considered that as well. And I just think, you know, if you're thinking about if there's an artist out there who's thinking about getting into teaching, I I would say do it. You know, Mm -hmm. I think it, I mean, not only does it provide stability, Mm -hmm. it also just really like helps you in your studio, but you also form these wonderful relationships with your colleagues Mm -hmm. and then your students, which, you know, brings so much meaning to, you know, what you do. And I'd say, you know, we were talking about this earlier before the podcast started, but, you know, I've been doing home-based learning too for the last nine weeks because of COVID-19. And it it is really interesting kind of like looking at, you know, your job from (laughs) this this point of view, like through your computer and you're like, yeah, "Yeah, I love seeing my students every day. Uh, Like, yeah, that is why I'm a teacher, you know, it's because, and so like, I love, you know, talking about art and teaching art, but it's like those relationships that you form with your colleagues and your students, you're like, yeah, that is like why I'm in this. And I just miss, I miss them so much. And Uh, I found that since I started teaching, like, I just, I feel so much happier in just my studio practice. And like, I just feel like it gives, yeah, like just purpose mm -hmm. to my career. And I think that's something I was searching for for a long time. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think sometimes people might say like, oh, it's like a fallback plan. And I'm, and that might be true for some, but like, I really don't see it that way because they both of them just marry so well. Yeah. And they, I just feel like it makes for like a really rich like career. And mm-hmm. like I said, brings so much meaning. Yeah. So yeah, my answer definitely. would be yes, definitely pursue teaching if it's something you're interested in. <laughs> Yeah. Don't hesitate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The kids are amazing. Uh, I know. And just seeing I, like. I know. I I mean, I come home at the end of the day and I just, 
always just like have all these stories, Mm -hmm. you know, like I just, and you know, my husband will say, he's like, I've never even heard you. You don't ever seem to get overwhelmed Mm -hmm. by like working with little kids. Like I only hear you talk about like how fun and silly. And I'm like, yeah, like I'm so tired the other day and drained, but (laughs) like, it's never like, I'm always like, oh, then he he said this and then he did this. And it was, I, you know, it's yeah. just, it's just so fun. They're so cute. Yeah, I know. Yeah. My, my little at one, I'm at two schools and one of my schools, I'm on a cart and oh, yeah. to get to the, to get to the TK, like the little four-year-olds, I have to go through their like play yard. <laughs> so I'm going through with the cart to get to their classroom and set up before they come in. And I have like little ducklings just yeah, like chasing you. Me. Like, <laughs> hot, yeah. Art's coming. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> I did art on a cart yeah. too. That's so yeah. adorable. <laughs> That's not easy. How's that working out for you? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, now it's not happening anymore. But yeah. yeah, it was it was tricky. I also I had already kind of decided that I was switching to a more choice based teaching style mm-hmm. this year. That's great. And around the same time that I was making that decision, I also found out I would be I used to have a classroom there, but they're doing construction. So I moved to being wow. on a cart. So figuring out how to create like centers yes. on a cart has been a oh challenge, gosh, Yes, but I'm organized and made it work. Well, yeah. that's great. And that that's not an easy thing to do. I did that my first year oh. and I also do a lot of choice based and I love centers. Yeah. So getting, and then, you know, pushing yeah. it in there, setting up, yep. <laughs> having 15 minutes of art, cleaning up and getting the next class. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely something to be said about having your own space because yeah, especially if you're doing more, if you're working with younger children and you're more process based or doing those choice centers, like that really does like kind of affect it definitely affects how you teach. Yeah. So, and we we were talking a little bit before about before we started recording about how you've sort of shifted to this online teaching. Sure. I know for me it's been a big challenge just because I had shifted towards choice, which for me meant what I was offering was a space and materials and then like guidance around doing your own thing. Mm-hmm. And now that I don't have the space or the materials to offer, I'm like okay, so back to project-based, here's some ideas using basically no materials because you might not have anything. It's been a challenge. So anyway, how have you been sort of handling that? (laughs) I think everything you just said, I'm like, oh my gosh, you understand me. (laughs) That's been my life for the last thing. I mean, it was a real, it was really interesting because we found out we were doing home-based learning Mm -hmm. when everyone was on Chinese New Year break Mm -hmm. and everything kind of broke out and then we ended up coming back home. And so, you know, we were jet lagged having just like landed at my parents' house and then we're starting home-based learning. So I mean, it wasn't easy, but um, I tried to stick to like the kind of projects I would like that choice based learning that I would have going on in my classroom, but trying to thinking about what my students, what their environment was. And Mm -hmm. that was really hard because a lot of my students had been on um, Chinese New Year break and some of them, they were in 
countries all over the world, not being able to get back. And so, wow, you know, you had some kids who were like at a resort in Bali and others who were oh. <laughs> um, home in Ohio and some who were in Shanghai and, you know, their families going through this crisis. And so being really sensitive to the fact that parents were home mm-hmm. yeah, and kids were home and everyone had a lot to do and there was a lot of stress. So I try to keep things pretty light. Yeah. But also like things that my students could be independent with, like that was important to me because I knew like, again, parents are dealing with a lot. So, and then also trying to stick to, okay, you can do this with like a pencil, maybe some scissors, some kind of paper that you have around the house. But I I only try to keep like, you know, like maybe things that like mom would have in her purse, (laughs) you know, right? you don't know, like, some of them were just, you know, had just left for a beach vacation. They yeah. didn't pack art supplies. Ah, uh, that's crazy. Yeah. So one app that we use is mm-hmm. Seesaw, which a lot of schools use all around the world. Yeah. And one really great feature of that app is um, they have a drawing application on it. So like kids can draw directly on the screen. Oh, cool. And they can also record their drawing as it's happening. So then when they play it back for you, it looks like a little animation. Ah, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. And they can record over it. Uh, So one of the most successful projects I'd say that I did was a daily drawing challenge where I'd give them a prompt Mm -hmm. and then they could choose to opt in and out um, whenever they wanted. It was all by choice if they didn't have to do it, but it was an activity. And students seemed to really love that because you didn't have to worry about the art materials um, they love sharing with me what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the, a great feature of Seesaw too is that they can like leave a little message for you and then I can leave a message back so they could hear my voice and me responding to their work and asking questions. Oh, that's nice. And then what we're doing at the end is like, I think so far I have almost close to 600 drawings and we're only halfway through and they're all digital. So they're they're going to, I can print them out on canvas uh, um, when we get back. And so we're going to make like a big mural out of all the drawings that we did together as a division, which I think is really nice sentiment too, about how, you know, we're all into this. We're all in this together. Yeah. Uh, that's beautiful. Yeah. And we did, I try to give prompts like, like invent a new toy, but also like, you know, what can you see from your window? Like maybe mm-hmm. more reflective. Right. Based on their experience. Cause a lot of them were just looking out their windows and not able to go outside. Right. And so talking about that and what they see. So that I would say was probably the most successful and that one's still going on. I also had kids create their own art museum. Nice. And so they hang up the work um, on their wall. And then we talk about how they could take their family on a tour and what a tour guide does. Uh, And then they can make tickets and like charge for their (laughs) museum and like make a museum sign. And we talked about how to title your work and what it's made out of. And that was fun, too, because my students would make little videos of them walking around their house and pointing out their work. And it was something that they could do independently. Yeah. Again, and we did like found object sculpture, where we talked about 3D and 2D, and they could make a sculpture garden in their house with their toys. Yeah. Yeah. So just different things like that, that don't require a lot of materials. And like, I know the drawing challenge was a little bit more product based. But at the same time, 
it was just kind of like a fun, easy, like opt-in uh, assignment where they could they could do if they wanted. They didn't have to do every day. And they just really loved talking about their artwork. And it was a way for me to connect with them too, which um, I think is really important during this time. Yeah. Is to make sure to connect as much as you can. Yeah. 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 And let them know like you're still there. You're okay. You care about them. Mm-hmm. They're safe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And we can still have fun together and make yeah. art together, even though we're 7,000 miles apart. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or even just a few miles. <laughs> <laughs> or a few miles. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. might be just down the road. Well, yeah. Yeah. We were <laughs> side note, but I was trying to plan a, a play date online with our neighbor. <laughs> we were like, oh, how nice. do we do this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we I just had a Zoom birthday party this morning oh. for my three-year-old godson. Oh. And um, that was really cool. Yeah. And yeah. So I yeah, it's like, okay, this is so unique. Yeah. Like this will, I guess this is hard. And, but there are some things that come out of it where you're mm-hmm. like, wow, like I would have never connected with my family that way. Or I, I wouldn't have had a, a Zoom birthday party right. with my godson, <laughs> you know, Yeah. or I wouldn't have talked to this maybe student as much. Like mm-hmm. we've, we have this great dialogue going on Seesaw where I'm learning about their day. And, you know, so there are some really beautiful things that can come out of it in terms of your teaching and connecting with your students. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I wonder how much of that will last beyond all of this. Yeah. It's hard to say. Like, I don't know. I think nothing's really ever happened like this before. Yeah. And I mean, I hear kids talking about it. They've been watching CNN all day, you know, like, you mm. know, I'll have kids saying like, I can't go outside because the coronavirus and I don't want to get sick. You know, we just need to go outside and exercise for a little bit and then go. So I mean, they're like totally processing yeah. what's going on. And like, I think that'll stick with them. But also the fact that like, they're having these conversations with their teachers and like, mm-hmm connecting with their aunts and uncles over zoom. And, you know, it's kind of like the centerpiece of their day is like these like phone calls Mm -hmm. and like these zoom calls. And I think, you know, that really wasn't probably as present before. So I hope, I hope some of it sticks. I think people just feel, I know I feel this way personally, just like so grateful for like the mundane now. Yeah. (laughs) Like like going to school, you know, school and like being stuck in traffic. And and I think like, you know, a lot of students sometimes aren't excited to come to school, but I hear my students say all the time, I just can't wait to come back. Like I just can't wait to be in the classroom or they'll draw me pictures of their classroom and, you know, talk about the rainbow rug and how much they miss it. And so I think it's really developing in them this like sense of like, I am so grateful grateful for all these things and I can't wait to get back to them. Yeah. So mm-hmm. <sighs> it'll be interesting for sure. Yeah. What the future holds. Oh, I know. <sighs> Shifting gears a little bit, I would love to talk more about your artwork. Sure. Because you're mm. you're making some gorgeous things. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much. Yeah. So I like to ask, and I feel like this is a hard one for visual people, but sure. trying to like describe your work for someone who hasn't seen it yet. Well, I'll talk a little bit about what it's made out of first. Yeah. I'm a mixed media artist. Mm-hmm. So like I merge several different processes. Like I love digital um, 
photography and collage and a painting, mostly with acrylics and printmaking. And so my process kind of goes from like an analog to digital to analog. So like I'll start off making a little painting in my sketchbook and then I'll scan it and then like put it into my like Photoshop and layer different photographs on top of it Mm -hmm. and manipulate in different ways. And then I'll print it off on canvas and then go back in and paint into it or add collage on top of it. So I really like that layered process. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, as far as like what it looks like, I use a lot of imagery from places that I'm a part of or I've visited. So like right now, you know, I live in China. So you'll see a lot of imagery that references that in Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lot of like abstract mark making. They're pretty colorful. And I love circles. Yes. <laughs> I would have guessed that. <laughs> you'll see lots of circles. I mean, I think a lot of that probably has to do being or living in China for the four four years off and on that I have. Like, that's a really prominent, like, motif and symbol. Mm -hmm. And so I've, you know, integrated that into my work. And yeah, I just love reusing different matrixes. how do you say? Matrix? Ma- matrices? <laughs> Matri- <laughs> matrices. I should know how to say the plural of that. But anyway, and like I love iteration. Uh-huh. So you'll see a lot of like repeating imagery. I think that's the printmaker in me. Yeah. And uh. yeah, so that's that's what it looks like. And that's what it's made out of. As far as like what it's about, it's yeah. really about like the layered experience of moving from point A to point B. And that could be like a physical journey. So like a could be as simple as a walk mm-hmm. or a move across the ocean, mm-hmm. or it could be something more spiritual. You know, it could be something like a shift in your life, um, moving to a new relationship mm-hmm. or like a new phase. And so a lot of my work is generated around that main idea. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of ever since grad school, really, it's fallen under that kind of umbrella. Yeah. Travel and moving. Yes. And also thinking about home, right? Mm -hmm. And that I feel like that has has taken on new meaning now. Oh, yeah, completely. Yeah, I often talk about like how like moving affects the way we view our homes Mm -hmm. or traveling affects that. But now that you know, in our state, we call it safer at Mm -hmm. home, not shelter in place. Now that we're safer at home. Yeah, I've been thinking about that in a whole new way. Yeah. And like how this like has rooted me. And I think the fact that I'm at my parents' house, too, mm-hmm. like my childhood home. I'm kind of seeing that in a different way. So I won't be surprised if my work shifts again during this period. I'm sure for most artists it will. Yeah. Because it's such a huge, huge shift. And I can see us all kind of maybe thinking about that topic a little bit more. Like what does home mean to us? And right. Yeah. So yeah, I'm ex- I mean, I'm excited about that. I think it's you know, I talk about in my work too how moving can like can be a disorientating experience. Yeah, but it also like gives us direction at the same time, mm-hmm. and so yeah, it's a strange dichotomy. Yeah, it's a strange <laughs> yeah. pair. Yeah, a strange paradox yeah. of like you know. I think that's very universal. Mm-hmm. Like you go through change, and you're like, gosh, that was so hard, but you do feel like it pushes you in a mm-hmm. new direction, and like you're grateful for it in hindsight. So it kind of relates back to what we were talking about before, like, you know, how there are some really beautiful things that are coming out of this experience. 
experience and how will that get integrated into our lives down the road once things maybe return more to normal. And I think artists will really be responsible for like articulating that Mm -hmm. for people. So I think I think we have a really important job during this time. I mean, yeah, I think that will I can just see so much of our work collectively kind of moving in that direction in the coming months. Yeah. And I've heard I've like heard artists also talking about the need to sort of document the experience and that each Mm -hmm. each person is telling their own story and shit and their own Mm -hmm. personal experience. And then that's like collectively creating this this web of what's happening. Yeah. And and that's so true because it's, it's like everyone's experiencing this in a different way. And it comes, each person has their own set of mm-hmm. challenges with it. Yeah. So I, I'm really grateful for like social media and Instagram and things like this yeah. at, the time, at this time. Maybe it's things that in the past, like I would avoid a little bit because I'm like, oh, it's taking up too right. much of my time or and now I'm like turning to that so much. And it is really encouraging to see like what artists are doing at home. Like I've seen the hashtag on Instagram, like hashtag artists mm-hmm. at home and just seeing like how they're processing and, you know, they're really open about it too, mm-hmm. which is I think really important at this time to hear what people are going through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just to share that experience. Yeah. And we, Definitely. we talked, we mentioned yeah earlier, how you sort of managed continuing your art practice and including like showing and trying to sell your work and how that shifts now. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you had a a solo show in a gallery in China not too long Mm -hmm. ago, right? Yeah, back in November. Yeah. And just sort of how all of the galleries are obviously not open for people to come look. And I know there's a lot of online things going on, but how are you sort of handling that yeah so I know I it's really interesting because like can't really make plans you know so (laughs) I think as an art you know as an artist and as a teacher I'm sure you can relate you're always thinking six Mm -hmm. months down the road or even a year and you're like kind of like well should I apply to that should I be (laughs) and a lot of people's shows are getting canceled I actually had another one planned for this summer but I don't I don't know if that's going to happen or not Uh. so I think you know this is a time like for me personally what I'm doing is just really updating all of my systems Mm -hmm. so one one thing I really love is artwork archive I don't know if you yeah I know it but I don't use it yet (laughs) Yeah, and it's just a really wonderful platform. Mm-hmm. And they also have a public profile on there. So it's a great way to inventory your work privately, and it generates reports and things yeah. like that. So um, it's really great when you're working with galleries or planning out a show, but then they also have a public profile option. And I know I've heard from different people in the industry that they a lot of galleries or like art advisors will go on archive and look at that uh, public profile. Okay. So I think like that's a really good yeah. resource and to get that up and running. And then we have so much time on our hands yeah. now. <laughs> I've been working on that mm-hmm. more. Also, there's a lot of databases out there that you can submit to for like art advisors who work with maybe more corporate entities or like hospitals. Yeah. There's even one called Art and Embassies. Have you heard of that one? No, to look that up. But it's working with all the embassies around yeah. the world and they have some great educational programming too and residents opportunities but it's a free submission process so you can like some like submit all your work and start a gallery on there that is the right price Um, (laughs) yeah i'm taking notes (laughs) it's free yeah so i really like i'm getting that one up and running 
And they have an amazing history. I mean, they've been around for quite a while. I, I think it's like since the 50s or even before. Wow. Yeah. And then there's, let me just get my list oh, yeah. up here. I have a list. Or if you, <laughs> you want to send yeah. it to me too, I can like put it in our show notes. Oh, sure. Oh, that's a great idea. Share it with everybody. Yes. But there's other ones like Nine Dot Arts. I don't know if you've heard of them or Eaton Fine Art or Fresh Paint mm-hmm. Art.com. A lot of those places have these like open kind of like you can submit your work. And again, it's like they're art advisors. So they're not galleries. It's not like getting represented, yeah. but you know, maybe they want to buy, you know, a collection of paintings for a new hotel that's going up in Singapore or something like that. So I think that's like a really great way to use this time and um, get those systems in place. Mm -hmm. But it does take a lot of time. And it's honestly, sometimes something I can't get to as a teacher and an artist, (laughs) you know, you just kind of have that backlog of projects that you can only kind of chip away at. And so it is really gratifying to like get all those boxes checked off during this time. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I've been a little jealous of friends with without kids because I'm like, I don't have any time oh, right know. now. <laughs> You're like, yeah, actually, when I said that, I was like, that's really insensitive because. Oh, no, no, no. That is, is not everyone. <laughs> It yeah. is great advice, though, for if you do have ex- like you find yourself with extra time right now, it's great mm-hmm. to like keep busy, do this stuff that can yeah. be really helpful in the future. Yes, exactly. Or even just like, I think, you know, when I teach, I don't have a lot of time, you know, maybe I get up early and I do like an hour in the morning, but it's amazing how much like that hour adds mm-hmm. up over time. Yeah. I, I know, like talking to some of my colleagues and some of my friends, like they have more work now. Yeah, (laughs) they did before, you know, because they're like homeschooling, right? Trying to work from home during the middle of a crisis. And like, I, I have to say, if, if I can like encourage anyone out there having, this is like round two for us because the first wave we experienced was back in January with COVID-19. And I just remember those first few weeks being so frustrating. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just like, how do we find a routine? <laughs> like what's going on? Yeah. Like you're trying to figure out all this new technology. Uh, Once I got to like week three or four, I was like, okay, like you figure out that new mm-hmm. normal and things really felt like, yeah, they're still not easy. But, you know, I felt like you kind of hit your stride a little Mm -hmm. bit. So I hope that's encouraging (laughs) to people. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, going back to your question, your earlier question, like all those kind of databases or even like artwork archive, they also have a lot, a great list of like opportunities and grants that are Mm -hmm. available too. So it's nice just to be able to scroll through that and see what might be out there. Yeah. And kind of to get ready for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. So I also am curious what a week looks like for you. And I know that's probably shifted a lot in the last few months. It has. So maybe it'd be interesting to hear what it was like before COVID-19 and then how that's kind of changed throughout your experience in China and then your experience coming back home to the U.S. I don't know what what would feel like home, but sure, your parents in the yeah, US. yeah. I call them both my home. I have two. Yeah, multiple homes. <laughs> yeah, multiple homes. I feel like that too. Well, that yeah, I think a lot of people feel that way, right? They have yeah many places they call home. Yeah, my day in China before COVID nineteen was 
I would get up, I get up pretty early. I'm a morning person. And that's when I like to do my work. That's when I get like my best painting done. So I might get up at like, you know, around five. And um, I find that teaching early childhood, like your energy is pretty shot by the end of the day. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a very creative job too. And Mm -hmm. you're pouring a lot into it. So I try to do a lot of my studio stuff in the morning. And you know, it might only be like an hour and a half or two hours, but it's like the most productive time for me. And that's, that's when I get the majority of the work done for the week. And then um, I shift and go to school. I teach actually, um, this year I'm 80%. Okay. So I teach from 730 in the morning to about one o'clock. And I try to get a lot of my work done during that time. So I can go home and just kind of decompress. (laughs) And then I mean, self care is really important. I'm finding like, since you are using so much of that energy during the day, like it is important to like work out or like just take a walk or you know, take some time to de-stress. Yeah. Yeah. And then the evening can really look like any amount of things. There might be meetings. It might be the studio. It might just be downtime at home with my husband or with friends. Yeah. We don't have kids. So I know like when we do have kids, that whole schedule will be blown out of the water. (laughs) And like kids is something that, you know, we want to have one or two sometime soon. So I I have thought about a lot like what that would look like. Yeah. And I don't know. I We'll see. Talk to me in a few years about that schedule because I don't know if it would play out that way. Right. Yeah. It's kind of something you can't know ahead of time. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One thing though, international teaching is really wonderful for lot of reasons. And one thing that I really love about it is like your, your whole community is kind of like in this neighborhood around the school. Mm-hmm. So like, we don't have a commute, like we just we ride our bikes to school. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, everything's kind of in that area. It's very family oriented. So I feel like because it's like that, you know, I do get those ex extra hours during the day because, you know, school's just five minutes down the street. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that would look, I know when I taught in the U.S., it looked a lot different. Yeah. You know, I didn't have that same amount of time. So yeah. And then after COVID-19, now my day, I get up and I try to do schoolwork right away in the morning because my students will respond like when I'm sleeping because of the time difference. So When I get up, I try to like, you know, spend a few hours in the morning trying to like connect with my students. And then like towards the end of the day is when I I do like at six o'clock is when I do more of like my prep work and put up Mm -hmm. the assignments and things like that. So it's kind of like the middle of the day now is used for studio time, which my studio right now consists of a folding table in my childhood bedroom Uh. (laughs) (laughs) and some supplies Uh. that I brought from the from China. So like, I'll do things in the studio with quotation marks right. <laughs> during the middle of the day. And then my uh, teaching is kind of flanked on either either end of that. So yeah. and I try to get out for a walk. Um, we live, my parents live in a rural area. So it's safe to get out and because we don't see anyone to, to walk yeah. around. So nice. I'll take a long walk during the day. Yeah. Yeah. So it's completely different. Right. <laughs> and Earlier on, there was just a lot to do to get everything up and running. And now now that we're in week nine of it, you kind of know what you need to do. And it's not as it was it's not as frustrating as it was 
yeah before mm-hmm. a lot of the kinks have been worked out with technology and all that kind of all that kind of stuff yeah you kind of have figured it out mm-hmm. and what was your yeah. studio like in your place in China did you have a studio in your apartment or home yeah so we have the school provides an apartment for us nice and there's we have like a, a couple extra bedrooms and so I turned one of those into my studio and that works out really nice there are some opportunities opportunities in Shanghai to maybe have a studio downtown with different residencies, but with how long it takes to get I mean, you could spend two hours getting there and two oh. hours back yeah. on the oh. metro. I'm like, I don't I really like having a home studio. I just feel like yeah. personally I get more done. Mm-hmm. By having it at home. Now, again, like when we have kids one day, I don't know if that'll be the case. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I've always just really enjoyed having my studio at home. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way. It's I had one in Brooklyn for a little while that was literally like a block away from home. And even that short distance was oh, really? too, too far. <laughs> too far. Yeah. Oh, I, I like, hear you. I never go. I'm just yeah. at home. <laughs> I know. I, I'm the same way. I mean, I'm a homebody by nature. I just like yeah. being home. And I had studios when I lived in Milwaukee. And I did enjoy them because I got to like talk and meet with more people. But I found that I didn't go as much as when I just had it in the, mm-hmm. you know, the extra bedroom. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's right there. (laughs) Super accessible. Yes, exactly. And what are your um, sort of goals for this year? Or how have those shifted? Yeah, I had some goals of like getting another solo show. And like I mentioned Mm -hmm. earlier, I had one on the books, but um, like, I don't, again, I don't know if that's going to happen. So, and I had like goals of applying to lots of different galleries. (laughs) I was getting everything ready. Like I had been researching, I made this extensive list. And so, and now like, I mean, I think, yeah, applying to galleries would almost be somewhat maybe insensitive at this time because they're probably struggling Mm -hmm. just to like keep their brick and mortar. Like, I don't, I don't even know what's appropriate anymore. You know what I mean? It's like, there's not a playbook for this really. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So like what we talked about earlier, like just submitting to those databases and trying to move Mm -hmm. more things online. Like Mm -hmm. I've always been more curious about utilizing social media. I know like I'm way behind on that. <laughs> and um, it was always something I was like, oh, I'll just do more of that later. I, you know, I always put it on the back burner, but now I'm really investing in that. That wasn't a goal earlier. And now I'm like, yeah, that really needs to be a goal now. So yeah. I've been looking more into that and also just connecting with other artists now online. Like it's so great talking with you. And I don't know if yes. <laughs> I would have connected with you. Otherwise, know. you know, so like, this is really wonderful. And I'm like getting online critiques going and like just yes. connecting with people like from grad school, like, you know, I've lost touch with a lot of people. So I'm like, Oh, it'd be so fun yeah. to like have a critique. And so I'm just uh, like reaching we out. We should do that. Yeah, <laughs> we should do that. I would love that. Yes. Yeah. So I'm just thinking like, what kind of, you know, opportunities does this present? Right. It's disappointing in so many ways, but at the same time, like it does present some unique opportunities. Mm -hmm. And so I really want to like kind of dive into those. So yeah, my 2020 goals have completely shifted. I think one that's always like kind of stayed the same is just, you know, keep making art, you know, be in the studio. I wanted to keep up more of a sketchbook this year, which now I've had time to do that, you know. 
I wanted to explore more. And, and so I'm like, so yeah, I do have time to do that. And that's really what, you know, as artists, we can be doing, right? We can be in the studio and keep making keep making it. Yeah. Yeah. And as far as teaching goals, I mean, we talked about this earlier, but yeah. Okay. I think maybe it might be time to take a few online classes, Uh you know, yeah. Dig into that more. So I thought about all those things. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And a few questions, just more kind of fun, get to know you things. Sure. Uh, What are you curious about right now? Well, I kind of touched on it a little bit earlier. And I know this is kind of a lame response, but (laughs) I am really curious about social media. And like, I have been researching that a lot lately just like what I can do to like connect with more people. Yeah. And again, I think it's just that need to like want to connect since we're all, (laughs) we've lost those everyday interactions. So I'm just really curious with all these different technologies that we can use to connect with people and Mm -hmm. how I can explore those more. And yeah, I think that's what I've been most curious about lately is just how I can reach out. And I also think too, just this experience Again, we talked about it earlier, but just thinking more about home Mm -hmm. and kind of processing that more and documenting more of this experience will definitely be something that shows up in my studio in the coming days. Yeah. 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 It's tied so much to the things you were, you were kind of already expressing and thinking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Is there anything that you are not very good at? Oh, there's so (laughs) many things. No, you're great at everything. Come on. <laughs> oh, I'm just, yeah, I'm just perfect at everything. No, I like you're so, I think, you know, I'm sure you can relate to this as an educator. My mom's a teacher, mm-hmm. and there's so many teachers in my family, and they often say, like, yeah, like the really good teachers are the ones that like doubt themselves <laughs> all the time. Like, yeah. Like, did I read them? Did I do that well enough? Oh. Like, I think I'm. Yeah, I'm really interested in diving into that more. And like I said, with like the online classes, just figuring out some of those struggles that I've maybe had in the classroom. And what are the best ways to like reach out to my students and even just investigating more like choice based, Mm -hmm. like the Reggio model. Yeah. And things like that. Another thing that I haven't been always very good at as like an artist is like self promotion. Mm I will sit in my studio all day long and make art. But like, if you ask me (laughs) to put myself out there, that's always been a struggle for Uh, me. So I've been really working on that last year. Like I've been trying really hard to put myself out there more. And while it's scary, it's like, okay, this is so needed. Like I want to share my work with people. Like I, of course you want to have shows. And like, of course I do apply to things and like, I've like sought off different opportunities, but even challenging myself more, like, even if I don't get that, or if that grant is like unattainable, like it's still good to like go through the process Mm -hmm. and like apply and get rejected. It's okay. (laughs) And so I just think like, that's one thing I'm just trying to like really put myself out there more because I think that's important. Yeah, It's so hard. And I, I've heard it from other artists I've spoken to that the business side, the marketing side, the, you know, we just want to create, we don't want to deal with all the other stuff. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, and this year I actually started working with a uh, an art coach, mm-hmm. and that's been really great. And like, she's kind of kicked my butt in a lot of areas. Yeah. Like, why are you doing this? You need to put that out there. And I I really needed someone like that in my life, and so I'm really grateful to be working with her. Yeah, it's really helped me to get like my house in order, so mm-hmm. to, so to speak. Right. <laughs> 
And it's, yeah, it's been very eye opening too. like, oh, gosh, yeah, I'm really not good at that. I need to work <laughs> on that. And because it's easy to become like complacent, you know, mm-hmm. especially if you don't have someone checking in on you. I, th- I think in grad school, like, right, we were, <laughs> we had those critiques and like, yeah, the reviews and like, oh, the mentors are coming and they're kind of come in and like, tear apart your work and like, so you have to be ready. So like that stress kind of like, you know, got you going, but it is hard to do that when, especially after a long day of teaching. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. (laughs) I, I actually, with another teaching artist, we started like a little local critique group to help. Oh, that's so cool. And our goal really was just to like motivate ourselves to keep creating something. (laughs) Because mm-hmm. it was like, uh, it's so easy to just come home and relax and not make anything after yeah. like a day of teaching, a day of parenting. And then like she goes to oh, sleep yeah. and OK, I've got a couple hours here. Yeah, and like I need to sleep. Right. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. Yeah. And it's just so nice to have people who can like relate to you in that mm-hmm. way. And yeah, just to like check in on you. And yeah, even like when you're having a, a down week or month or year where you're like, yeah, I haven't really made anything. But it's like, you know, you'll always be an artist, right? Yeah. And like, it's it is a bit of a roller coaster. And I've had years where like, I remember there was one year I didn't barely make anything. You know, and yeah, I, but I had so much going on in my life, right? So it's like giving yourself grace, too, right? And being like, like that's okay, okay. It's okay, yeah, it's okay, and this is part of the process, and you don't have to be like a machine making <laughs> stuff all the time, right. like. And realizing too that like as an artist, you're pouring that creativity into other things too, mm-hmm. parenting and teaching and like that's an art form in its own way and that mm-hmm. you will make work about that because you are doing that. You know, it's, you can't separate the two. Yeah. It's all, so, it's all connected. Yeah, it's all connected. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is, so we talked about things you're not good at. What is the best compliment that you've ever received oh well things you are good now you have to like talk about how great you are <laughs> I just said I'm not good at I this. know okay. <laughs> I'm forcing uh, you <laughs> no I love it one thing that happened to me this is like a year or two ago I was home for Christmas and I had to send a package through UPS. And while I was waiting at the counter, the person who was waiting on me saw my name. And they were like, are you Stephanie Behrens? And I was like, wait, how do you? And she knew my work oh. because she had included some of my work in her thesis paper. Wow. I I, I like my jaw dropped to the floor. I'm like, yeah. that is the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. That's um, awesome. Yeah. So she told me that like she had seen my work in Milwaukee and like she had, you know, been a, it had been a part of her paper and her senior show. And I was like, I almost cried. I was oh. like, that is the sweetest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> so I'd, I'd have to say that was probably the one of the, like, it was just an unexpected. Yeah. You know, that's amazing. So, yeah. It was cool. Yeah. Uh, so. Did you get contact info? Did you stay in touch with her? Well, I actually gave me her website yeah. and I was able to read some of it. She had some of it on there. Oh, cool. And so, yeah, it was really cool. Oh. I was, yeah, I was very flattered. Yeah. That's <laughs> amazing. 
Yeah, it was cool. Uh, one more fun little question. What's your sure. go-to order at your favorite restaurant? Hmm. Well, well, in China, I mean, I love Chinese food. Uh-huh. And in Shanghai, they have really good dumplings. Just really amazing the way they prepare oh. their vegetables. There's like just hundreds of different ways. So oh. I, I have to say just and I'm so missing Chinese food right now yeah. because we've been home for <laughs> Yeah, like uh, real Chinese now. food. Yeah, real Chinese food. Uh, like I love like their egg the way they make their eggplant and the different kinds of tofu they have and things like that. So I'm really missing that. I've been craving it uh, crazy. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, and I'd say any kind of like, I love Vietnamese food, like Mm -hmm. Thai food. Yeah, I'm a big fan of all of that. So Uh, yeah, nice. Definitely my go to order. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Is there anybody that you would like to thank or give like a shout out to? Well, I want to thank you. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for taking the time. Yeah, like when you reached out, it really got me thinking about our graduating class and like how we like challenged each other during that time. And it Mm -hmm. was such a like, like formative time for me. And I was like, you know, I really, if I could like thank like our mentors Mm -hmm. and the people in our class from that time. Yeah. Because I, I think I really found the direction I wanted to go to go in during that time. And it was because like people kind of asked the right questions and, mm-hmm. and, and pushed me in ways that I wasn't pushing myself before. So mm-hmm. I would like to thank our graduating class. Oh, yes. <laughs> so many amazing yeah. artists. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I feel like yeah. I've lost touch with people, but I kind of am like keeping up with them a little bit and seeing yeah. so many cool things coming out of our class. I know. Yeah. It's really amazing to see, like I was on Instagram the other day and I saw, do you remember Aaron? He was doing this beautiful watercolor Yeah. and actually um, Lawrence lives in Taiwan and I actually was able to buy one of his pieces of, of woodcut he oh, was making awesome when and I have it up in my house in Shanghai so it's cool because social media has allowed me to like kind of keep track of what people are doing yeah. and be able to comment on their work and things like that yeah so, that magic yeah. connector yes <laughs> yes awesome yeah and sort of last question where can our listeners connect with you online so I have a website. It's stephaniebarons.com. Mm-hmm. And on there, I have like a link to LinkedIn and Instagram, but also a contact form in my email. So they can contact me through there if they are interested or have any questions. Awesome. My last name is B-A-R-E-N-Z. Awesome. And then your Instagram is just Stephanie Barons. Yeah, it's just Stephanie yeah. Barons. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Stephanie. Oh, thank you yes. so much. This is so fun. I just love talking with you. And thanks for asking such like great questions. And I really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, I have a ton of notes now that I have to go and I feel like I just I just got a lot of wisdom from you. Oh, thank you. Totally selfish for me. (laughs) I'm glad I could help. (laughs) Yes, and hopefully it was very helpful to our listeners. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. You too. Bye bye. Bye. Stephanie's process is so interesting to me. She puts her work through an incredible push and pull between digital and physical processes involving layering painting, prints, photos, and collage. 
I also love how that push and pull is echoed in the content of her work as she thinks about moving from point A to point B, whether physically or emotionally or metaphorically. I know I will also be getting organized to follow Stephanie's lead in applying to the directories and art advisors she mentioned, and I'll share the links to these in the show notes and blog posts, so check those out. I also love her drawing prompts project with her students, using Seesaw's built-in drawing option with the intention of printing the drawings for a collaborative mural later on. What a great way to use that technology. Thank you so much for taking the time, Stephanie. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did and definitely check out all of the links that she has shared with us. So I am continuing to work on trying to get episodes out every week on Sundays. Initially, I intended to make this bi-weekly, thinking I am never going to have time to do this every week. But somehow I've been managing so far, and I will try to keep it up. Next week, I'll share a conversation I had with Deborah Riley here in L.A. back in February. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can reach me at Teaching Artist Podcast on Instagram or teachingartistpodcast at gmail.com. Who do you want to hear from? Please share your recommendations of teaching artists. And if you loved this episode, please subscribe, leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, and follow me. It really makes a big difference. Thank you. Thank you.